Beautiful words, beautifully done. Thank you. I wanted to run when the choir sang. I wanted to weep when they sang. And I just uh, got to get control of myself here. Give me a moment. That was good. Okay. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, drop down to the 10th, 11th, 12th verse. I saw this many years ago, uh, of course, reading through the Bible, and it kind of, you ever had, of course you know, of course you have. There are times you're reading your Bible and the Lord will just spotlight something, and it's been there all along, maybe you notice it a little bit, but then just things come out of it, and uh, that's kind of how this, this, these verses are for me. And so uh, let's take a look, if we would, at verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourisheth, whether the tender grape appear, and the pomegranates bud forth. Now watch the statement. There will I give thee my loves. The word there, pay attention to that, and then the word loves, plural. Okay, I want to preach this, taking those words right out. I give thee my loves. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, uh, this service, for this month, as we think about love, and uh, we think about relationships in, in February. And Lord, these thoughts that you've put on my heart for the church over these next few weeks, and of course Sunday nights as well. And Lord, just engage us. I pray that you'd uh, arrest our hearts today to hear about you, and hear about your love for us. But Lord, help us to pay attention that we might love you and love others that are in our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Again, the Lord seemed to illuminate this and lift it uh, out of its pages into my heart many years ago. And I came across it again. And and I want to share some thoughts with you today. This phrase, these words, you know, as you study your Bible, words are very important. So our grouping together of words, and of course you've got to read them in their context, and uh, we don't have time for the whole chapter, and then of course the book, and to get everything. Of course, this is a love book. It is a love letter from Solomon to his beloved, his wife, and it pictures, of course, the relationship that any believer should have in his God, in the Lord our, our God. And uh, of course, being written in the Old Testament, is primarily written to the Jews, Uh, back then that they should love the Lord their God. And as we had heard from Pastor Williams this morning, Israel seemingly always getting themselves in trouble with their relationship with the Lord. The Lord never left, but they fled from him. And and that happens when love begins to get cold or there's an indifference in a relationship, whether it be husband-wife, whether it be children to parents, whether it be a church situation, friendships. uh, You know, somebody's got to say, hey, uh, I can do something about this. I, I can make steps toward that person. Dealing with our relationship with the Lord, it's, he's never done wrong. But, so we have to take steps towards him. And so think about this. Uh, look at the verse again, verse 12. Let us get up early in the vineyard. Let us see if the uh, vine flourishes, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. Solomon is speaking of a place where he and his beloved had met, maybe several times have met. 
And there was an expression not of love, but of loves, plural. Of course, I used this poem many years back. We've all heard it before. I, I brought it out of the archives again. And uh, sometimes it's known as uh, Sonnet 43, but it's How Do I Love Thee? It's a beautiful poem. And it's written by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And of course, she lived in the 1800s. And it goes like this. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. See the plural part? That's, can you see how I took this poem and connected it with the loves? Okay. You're impressed? I hope so. I, how do I love thee? Let, my, let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and the breadth and the height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being in ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. Isn't that beautiful? I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with a passion to put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. Oh, that's so I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall love thee better after death. Isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful. And we have to think about it now. What, what is our love life with the Lord like? We ought to have a love relationship with the Lord. He's done so much. I love him because he first loved me. You know, I, I want to praise him. I want to, I, want to, I want to share him with others. I want to live for him. Amen. When I think about how much he loved me. Now Solomon's expressing his love to his beloved. And he is with her in these places that they have visited, these secret places, these secluded places. I would say a special place. And, and speaking about love, I believe that everybody's been in love. There have been those experiences of life, special places that have been visited, special occasions that have happened. And, and, and they're sweet places for anyone that's known that kind of a love. And uh, the Bible says that Solomon is speaking to her and saying, There, there, will I give thee my loves. There. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. He said in so uh, Song of Solomon 2.13, The fig tree uh, putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Now, he meant those words to his wife when he wrote those words to her, but we see it as a picture in Scripture of God's love for us. And there is a day, amen, that he's coming to get his bride and take us away to be with him. That's wonderful truth in God's Word. Now, Solomon is describing the their place. And again, every couple perhaps had ever known a love like this, Understand the their place, a special place, special trips, special experiences of life where love has been expressed. It's a strong love. It's a settled love. I don't know, an island paradise, a, a northern getaway, whatever that place is for you. I know for some of us at different seasons of the year, we have a longing for home, wherever home might be. I know Cherry Tucker, she loves to go to Tennessee to her old childhood home. Some love to go back to Virginia. Some love to go to Georgia, Pastor William. Wherever that home place, it's special to you. 
And these relationships in love, they're special to you as well. Places you've been with your beloved. Now, this special place or, or occasion becomes stronger and deeper as they're thought about through the years. Uh, a young love is wonderful, but a seasoned love, I believe, is better. And then, of course, a love lost is hard, and there's those memories from that love relationship. Uh, they're so precious. Can you go back in your mind's eye and remember when you met the Lord? Where you met the Lord? Amen. Can you remember those special times with the Lord in your Christian life where you've gone to places with Him? Special places with Him for prayer, devotion, Bible study, fellowship, worship, deeper, tenderly, lovingly, where you felt the love of the Lord upon you. And if you haven't experienced that, boy, you're missing something great. And listen, He comes in the volume of a book, and that's where you'll find Him. But everyone that's been saved and born again, I mean, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know along life's road there's been some secret places with you and the Lord. Times you can go back where you knelt in prayer or you spent personal time with Him. And, and, and you can go back and see. I'm, I'm talking about that. That should be daily. We should have daily devotion. We should have daily time with the Lord. But in life, there's these special places. And that's what Solomon is talking about, his love with his beloved. And he says, there will I show thee my loves. How do I love thee? Let me count the way. We can count the ways this morning if we think about it. Personally, I wrote down here some things, nothing new. I, I, I shared some of these with you before. I've strolled with the Lord uh, and I heard his voice and he heard mine. Um, I think of times where I wept and poured out my heart with the concerns and the fears and the frustration of life. I was talking with Tom Beeman yesterday. He's getting ready to go on deputation. And I just said, Tom, are you sleeping okay? And he goes, Pastor, I'm, I'm up a lot thinking about things. And, and I'm not sleeping all that well. And I said, welcome to the ministry. <laughs> I, 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 people, you have no idea unless you've been there. There, there are just certain pressures and stresses that come upon people you're concerned about, situations in the church going on, things that have to be corrected, things that you hope for that haven't come yet. All these emotions happen. And I've been with the Lord many times in frustration and worry, anxiety, saying, Lord, what if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? Lord, when's it going to happen? And, and there's special places where I go for a walk with the Lord. Heinz Park, I've been there many, many times. Thank God for that. This back parking lot of this church, I can't tell you the number of times I just wandered around back there praying for the building, for the ministry, for, for whatever issue maybe that was going on at that time that I just needed more help from the Lord. And I know if you know the Lord, you've had these places too. I think of secret places, time with the Lord, well spent, kneeling by a bed, studying in your room. I used to go take a walk at Bixer Lake when I pastored in Indiana, and I'd go over that, little, over that little lake and that park, and I'd walk through those canopy of trees, and it was me and the Lord. I had a special place there. It was an observation tower that I could walk to, and as you go up the steps and get there, it was, it was meant for people to be able to see the wildlife uh, right there, the bird sanctuary. And I'd get in there with my New Testament and I'd pray and I'd meet with God. And I'd tell you, I could go ahead and preach there. Nobody was around, just the birds and me and the wildlife. 
And sometimes the Lord give me thoughts to preach. Oh, it was a special place. And again, walking with the Lord, that office, of, there's a sanctuary for your pastor where I go up there and meet with the Lord. Many places, many times, these are the there places where we meet with God and experience His presence. This is the intent of Solomon. This is what he has on his mind. This is what he has on his heart as he thinks about his beloved. And how he wants to go to their special place. And if you notice, go back with me if you would. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter. Uh, where, where are we at here? Help me out here. Chapter 7. Thank you. I've moved my pages. Notice he says, verse 11. Come, my beloved, let us go forth to the field. Let us lodge in the valleys. Let us get up early to the vineyard. See this? Let us see if the vine flourishes, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my love. There was a there in their life. They had place. They had places. And he speaks to his beloved about intention. He said, there will I give thee. This is what I'm going to do. In essence, he was saying to his beloved, I intend to give thee and show thee and demonstrate to you how much I love you. You know, if you're married, you have a spouse, you have a wife, you ought to thank God. And you ought to tenderly treat that relationship. And you ought to thank God for it. Now, just what we read there where he says, I will give thee my love. You can't write that in the Hallmark card, folks. That's, that's above Hallmark. This is God's word. And thank God, by the way, for the word of God, God's love letter to us. So dear, so precious. The Bible describes it as, as gold and silver. Precious, more than those. Well, this Song of Solomon, this love letter, these two people love one another, and the Holy Spirit has made sure to pen it and preserve it for us, that we can have instruction from it, inspiration from it, admonition from it, blessing from it, and, listen, warning in it. I want to point out something here I think is very important. The actual account of love here is between a husband and a wife. So sweet. Chapter 4 and verse 9, Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister. Notice, my spouse. He wasn't married to his sister. You know Speaking about her and their relationship so close. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. Chapter 4, verse 10. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse. How much better is thy love than wine and the smell of thine ointments and all spices. Verse 11. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Hey, it, God intends this kind of a strong relationship, the intimate relationship between a man and a woman that are married, spouse, spousal. It's very clear that this picture illustrates 
the love of Christ toward his church. I don't know about your study Bible. I know my study Bible. Uh, it gives you some headings to help us. And he says in verse 7, a further description of graces to the church. She professes her faith and assurance of Christ's love. These are helps to us as we study. Without a doubt, this is a picture. It is a real experience between Solomon and his spouse, his wife, his bride. But it pictures our relationship with Christ, our bridegroom, and we, the bride, his church. And when we come out of um, God's plan for marriage, if people go ahead and have an intimate relationship with them, that's, that's inappropriate. God says it's sin. And then if you go without the boundaries of marriage to have a relationship with somebody else that's not your mate, that is sin. Because here's why. God knows it destroys the intimacy of marriage and the trust in marriage. But also it destroys the type that God has given us of the relationship between him and his church. God's people must not mess with that, that picture, that type, that, that design of God. Amen. So it's about spouses. It's a special love letter to take note of here. A one kind of love is great, but he's talking about multiple, plural. I will show thee my loves. Now, I can't go into all these, but I have three main ones that we'll deal with today. So I do this sometimes so you can count on when you're going to be done to go to dinner. Okay, so there'll be point number one, two, and three. First of all, it's described in God's word, the relationship that we have with him and the relationship that we have with our beloveds is a physical love. We cannot deny it. As it was written, it was Solomon's desire for physical love with his wife in their special place. Song of Solomon chapter 2. Go back if you would. Look at verse 4. 2 and verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was what? Love. Love. In verse 10, the first part, it says, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. He says in verse 10, Thy lips, O my spouse, drop, drop as the honeycomb. He says in verse 12, A garden encloses my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain seal. Chapter 5, verse 1, I am coming to my garden, my sister, my son. He's explaining a physical relationship with his beloved. You know, our relationship with Jesus Christ is, is spiritual. But I'll tell you what, God is ever present. He is present with us at all times. A love between a husband, a wife, a spouse, married people, these truths are reserved, regulated, designed for marriage. Today we live in a very lustful, sensual, permissive, even perverted world. God's not in any of that. And I don't want to go on with a diatribe of all the wrong loves. That's not my intent today. But God says very clearly in Hebrews 13, 4, Listen, saints, marriage is honorable in all. Don't listen to the world. They tell you, oh, marriage is passe. People don't even believe in marriage anymore. They're wrong and God's right. Amen. Marriage is honorable in all and the marriage bed undefiled. But he also says this, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. I'm not going to go on to all that stuff. Just, that's what God says. 
This kind of a love relationship, a physical love relationship, is between married people, spouses, as God intended. Solomon chapter 1 and verse 16, Behold, thou art fair, my beloved, yea, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. He says in chapter 3, verse 1, By night on my bed I sought thee whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. There was an intimacy. There is a physical love that God talks about. And it's not dirty, and it's not wrong, and it's not inappropriate. It's very appropriate. Don't be afraid of that in the Scripture. God says that love between a husband and a wife is precious. Created and designed in the bounds, we don't hear these words anymore, in the bounds or boundaries of holy matrimony. Listen to me, young people. Amen. Listen to me, single people that know the Lord. God created man and a woman with physical desire, natural attraction, and mutual affection. Amen. I'm glad for that. I'm glad that when men look and see a, a, a lady that's beautiful and virtuous, that there's an attraction for that. I don't want men in the church having that for another man. And we'll not go into that. But God has created things in the right way, the proper way, the appropriate way. God created Adam, then he created Eve, and he created them to be one. In every way, in every way. And marriage, physical love is holy, folks, and it's right, and it's precious, it's honorable. It's God planned, it's God intended for a lifetime. That's the intention of God for a lifetime, till death do us part. Marriage is honorable, God says. Here in our text, uh, we see that Solomon has this desire to take her to this special place. This biblical setting here is to show us that love, that, that preciousness that they had together as a husband and a wife. Physical love is mentioned in Scripture, and there's nothing wrong with it in the confines of marriage. But then there is another love, protective love. And look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We'll read a little bit more here. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under the shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banquet house. I love that part. And his banner over me was love. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick in love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem. Watch this. By the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor take away my love, till he pleases. What is this? It's her expression of a protective love. In other words, she's saying, girls, he's my man, leave him alone. That's in the Steve Brown translation. She's saying that she wants to protect that which she has. She is treating that love for her beloved carefully, uh, vigilantly, custodially. She is saying, hey, nothing's going to interfere with my love for him. 
She is determined not to let anything or anyone come between her and her man. She says many times, leave him alone. Chapter 2, verse 7, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by rows and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. In verse 5, chapter 3, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rows and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. She says it in verse 8. She says, uh, uh, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick of love. Not sick of love, but sick in love. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you stir not nor wake until he please. Again, God is showing us an intimacy here, and she is talking about a protective part of love. I say to the married couples here, protect your marriage. Men, protect your bride. Protect her reputation. Don't talk to her about her faults and failures to everybody else. That is so wrong. And it goes the other way too, ladies. Don't tear down your man. In front of everybody else. I've heard people say intimate things about relationship to people that they have no business speaking to about those things. You got to protect that love. Because it's a picture of how God protects us. He loves his church desperately and God will do everything he can to keep us safe from anyone and anything to do us harm. You say, but what about the harm in my life? God loves you with a great love and some things we just don't know this side of eternity. But I promise you this, God's not let anything come your way that he didn't know about and allow. And we don't get it on this side of glory, but for his glory and sometimes for our good and we don't see it. But I trust him. He loves me. She says to those that would interfere, interpose, or step in, or suggest, or seduce, or sway away. Listen, he belongs to me. I claim him. I protect what's mine. Go to Psalm 91, verse 14. I think I could, I could read it for you, but I want you to see something here. Psalm 91, verse 14. Of course, the psalmist was thinking about the Lord and his love for him, and he writes these words. Psalm 91, verse 14. Notice the first word, because. Psalm 91, 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, I look at this, and I see some things here. Because, it's mentioned twice, because the Lord loves me, I will. And there's some I wills. I will set him on high. I will, in a place of safety, away from the enemy and from the floods and the fire. This is God's expression of how he feels about his beloved. Because you've believed on me, because you have my name, I will do this. You know, in marriage today, most Christian marriages, Christian marriages, the woman takes on the name of her husband. Nothing wrong with that. Nowadays, you, you can't do that. But he's talking about here, because you took my name, I will preserve, help, bless all those important things. 
There's a love between a, between a husband and a wife, between spouses, that is designed to be, yes, physical, special. Listen now, don't lose your train of thought over here. Romantic. I want to get to that. Romantic love is important in a, in a marriage relationship. It should be guarded. It should be protected. Kept away from other suitors. Kept in appropriation. Make it appropriate. It, and just to help, you know, these sexually charged romance novels, ladies, they're not for Christian women. And obviously pornography does not have any place in a Christian marriage. You say, preacher, why do you bring it up? Because it's prevalent today in our society. Stay away from it. Get away from it. Protect your love in, in this, this way. She said, ladies, leave him alone. Don't wake him. Don't trouble him. He's mine. And many times saying, he is mine. And I will protect that. Listen, if you're married, protect your marriage. Protect your thought life. Protect your viewing habits. Protect your reading habits. All that stuff. You see, that's just, it's practical. And it's important. True, genuine, pure love seeks the best. For the beloved. You say, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not married. Think about your relationship with Jesus Christ, my dear Christian. Protect your relationship with your beloved. You too should watch your viewing, your taking in the eye gate, your conversations. As a Christian, don't dirty yourself up with this stinking world we live in today. Keep yourself pure. Keep on your knees. Keep in the word. Keep close to your God. Protect that love that you have. We live in a very dangerous world today with harmful and seducing elements. And any good husband protects his wife from that. I, I say to parents, a, a, a true love is a protecting love. Protect your children from wrong things, your child from anything or anybody that can do them harm. And I've seen the carnage of poor parenting through the years. And it breaks my heart. I see good things. I was in a preacher's breakfast a couple weeks ago. And preachers, were, we had the breakfast, we fellowship. They ask questions, they share ideas. Of what are you doing? Who are you having for a meeting? Things like that. One man said to me, he said, Pastor Brian, I've been in your church. You seem to have a lot of young families and you have a lot of kids in your church. How, how are you doing that? I said, I'm not doing it. God is doing that. I don't take the credit for that. And I said, with God and good parenting. We have some parents that raise their kids right. And those kids stayed in church. And they got married to the right person. And they're raising their kids like they were raised. That's a blessing. And the only reason that can happen is protecting love. Sometimes you've got to tell your things children, to children, your own children that are difficult. But you must tell them. Yes, they have a free will. Yes, they may make their own decisions. But by parenting, you help them with those decisions. Love protects. Help your children with wrong friendships. Amnon had a friend. Never forget that. The social media today is so dangerous. Cell phones without guards and without guidelines. Parents... We know that our children have to work on computers and learn these skills for their future life, but they must be protected. 
As a husband, we protect his wife from things that are wrong. A wife protects her husband from things that are wrong. Parents, protect your children from those things that are wrong. We see in Solomon chapter 7, verse 12, let us get up early in the vineyards. Let us see if the vineyard vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee life. I want to just put something in for parenting here. Don't rob your kid's childhood by being so busy working overtime and doing what you want to do that you don't plan family vacations and times with your children and with each child. Listen, I'm going to tell you how to, how to maintain a love life for your family, your marriage, your God. There have got to be some there places for them too. And they'll look back at the time of their life and they'll say, it was there that I remember the Lord spoke to me. It was there I remember a special time with my brother or my sister. It was there that I remember our parents and, whoa, that was a great time. Have those times. You say, well, kids are already, it's not too late. Change things. Have family times. I'm never, I'm always excited for people that say, we're having a family reunion. We're going to visit family. We're, we're going to go see our, uh, that, the copies just went to see uh, Biddy's sister. And I was so happy that Rick, being so sick, got a chance to do that and to be with family. Those are special things. Don't have your life so filled with stuff and responsibility and duty that you don't take time for your beloved and for your children. Amen. And it goes without saying, with your Lord. I don't have time for devotion. You don't have time not to have. You, you, you can't miss devotion. Amen. I just preach, I don't have, you know, we do the Bible reading, and I, do, my, I just don't have time, Pastor. No, that's wrong. You have time. You're just using your, tongue, your time wrongly. Change something. Physical love. Protective love. Protect your love for the Lord and your wife or your husband, your family. Amen. Lastly, don't get scared. Passionate love. Song of Solomon chapter 4. Go there, please. Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 8. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. There we go again. With me from Lebanon, look from the top of Armana and the top of Shanir and Hermon, from the lion's den, from the mountains of the lepers. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes and uh, with the chain of thy neck. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse! Exclamation mark. I didn't put that there. God put that there. How much better is thy love than wine? He said it again, exclamation mark. And, and, and uh, the smell of thine uh, ointments than all spices. God used three exclamation marks in that one verse. He said, look at this. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honey. Honey and milk are under thy tongue, and the smell of thy garments is like the smell of loving on a garden enclosed. My sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. He goes on with the, this lovely talk, this loving talk. It's a passionate love. It's a romantic. This is one of the most romantic poetry books ever written. Your Bible. I mean, I love the 43rd sonnet. 
but it doesn't touch God's word. Solomon's emotions are laid bare here. Open, honestly, he says things to her in these verses. His love to his beloved was passionate. In chapter 1, verse 2, he talks of kisses. In, in chapter 2, he talks about that banner over them was love. In chapter 6, verse 3, the expression, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He says in chapter 7, verse 10, I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. This is passionate love. There's nothing wrong with passion within marriage. Did you get that point? I tried to stress that. His relationship with his beloved wife pictures a spiritual relationship that we have with Christ. Listen, it's about time God's people start getting passionate for Christ. Zealous for Christ. Protective of Christ's testimony. Amen. And just like I said to men and wives, don't, don't be saying things about each other to other people that are inappropriate and sharing secrets and, and feeling. Don't, don't do that. Protect your marriage. But listen, we ought to protect our Lord's reputation and testimony. Let's not complain about him and bring him down and talk about how God hadn't done this and God hadn't done that and God's allowed this. Don't you do that to your beloved. Amen. Jesus doesn't do that about us. The Song of Solomon is typical. It pictures the bridegroom, Jesus, and his bride, the church. Solomon's love letter, his prose, show how he feels romantically about the beloved. Solomon's words are romantic. Gentlemen, Valentine's Day is coming. But let me tell you something. Valentine's Day should not just be the only day that you're romantic with your bride. Romance is invented by God. He created us. Romance, again, is between a husband and a wife. It's a beautiful, tender, intended lesson from our Lord. And I have to mention this, and we're going to be done. A man that has lost first love. You know, the Bible talks about the church in the book of Revelation, how they lost their first love. First love is beautiful, but it can be lost. First love of marriage can be lost too if we become lazy when it comes to wooing our mate. Go back in your mind's eye and think about what you did to try to get that girl or that guy. Think about it. I mean, there was plan. You women were cunning, conniving. You, you had a plan and you worked it well. That's okay. You got them. And sir, you did what you needed to do to win her favor. I don't know if it was a stuffed animal or flowers or a little, a little trinket. I don't know, her favorite candy bar. I don't know what you did to win her, but you did a good job because you got her. But what happened since you got her? Amen and a woman too. So a woman me, ladies. A woman, come on. Both the husband and the wife can become, listen now, complacent. Indifferent, lazy, and disinterested. Don't hang your head. I'll know it's you. Don't poke them in the ribs. I'll see that. Perhaps there's a man that used to care about his looks, his dress, his courtship with his woman. Now he comes home from work. Ladies, don't aim woman me yet. 
He comes home from work. He sits in front of his television with a smelly T-shirt on, with disheveled hair, scrubby beard, and ratty socks or slippers. And all God's women, oh, I won't do that. There's room for a little bit of that, I mean. But remember, ladies, it goes the other way, too. Maybe there's a woman that tried to look good and dress nice and attractive and desirable, used to pay attention to her hair and her makeup, her perfume, her outfits. But after several years of marriage, you know where I'm going. We get into the sweatpants, ladies, and the yoga pants. I hate those yoga pants. Do you know I hate yoga pants? I hate them. You throw on that sweatshirt, and you put on that hair, and it's scrunchy, and you put it on top of your head, and here comes your husband after a long day of work, and you look so alluring. <laughs> there was a day where you cared about all that other stuff to draw him in. Now you're just saying, stay away from me, big boy. You stink. That's what you're doing. There are some women... Maybe many women in the church today, you, you work outside the home. I get that. I understand that. And what do people do? Do they go to work looking like a slob? No. She dresses up for her position. At the end of her day, when she gets home, she gets out of all that beautiful garment, fixing her hair, smelling nice, going for the office, going to be a good representation of her corporation. You know where I'm going. She comes home, and she can't wait to get on the before-mentioned sweatpants, sweatshirt, scrunchy in the hair, Emphasis on the word sweat. Ladies, that should not be first thought, not sweat. How about smell nice? That's good preaching. Hey, I said a woman, woman. Hey, men, how about an amen here? Oh, you bunch of... I'll tell you what, any men here? Amen. Come on now. Are you a man or a mouse? That's an old one. Are you a man or a mouse? Squeak up. That's an old one, but it's appropriate. What are we talking about this morning? Marriage is intended to have physical love, protective love, passionate love. A husband should not get lazier, indifferent, or complacent with his bride. And if you keep it up, it ain't going to do you good or your marriage good. Change something. Well, I'll buy her a flower on Fourth. On, on, on I almost said Fourth of July. <laughs> what is it? Valentine's Day. That's it. But what about just any old day? What about coming home because you just thought about her? What What about something special planned? What about? You know, come on now. You get out of the old raggedy t-shirt, get yourself all fixed up, sweep her away, come away, my beloved, and take her to a restaurant that has a cloth tablecloth on it. Some flowers there. Costs a little bit more money. Don't get lazy, gentlemen. And please, treat your wives with respect and interest. Don't always come home, gentlemen, in bad moods, complaining about the work day. This happened. My supervisor said that. And this guy did that. And, you know, just think about if you had to hear your wife do that, she came home with the same. And ladies, don't do that. If you work outside the home, don't come complaining all the time what happened at work. Then don't be critical and unkind to your wife or you're going to get the cold shoulder and maybe worse. I like this quote. Read it 20 years ago. Dale Carnegie, writer of the best-selling book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, he once said about marriage, 
If you want to get honey, don't kick the beehive. And fellas, if you're constantly picking on your wife, complaining, negative, pointing out this isn't good, that's not, then there won't be a whole lot of loving and kissing going on. But ladies, again, God's designed you to be his help meet and to meet his needs. And you know what, men, you don't think that men, men love romance. You don't think they do. Oh, my, my husband, he don't have no romantic bone in his body. Well, maybe there's a reason for that. Why don't you get back to where you pulled them in? Uh, let's move on. Solomon says to his bride in chapter 4, verse 7, Come with me. Let us go to the tops. We've read it. Armana, Shinar, Harman. What is that? You ever gone in a beautiful place and you see the mountains, you go to Tennessee, you go down south, you maybe go to the tropic areas, you go somewhere that has just beautiful mountains and you're there and you're taking in that scenery and it's so beautiful. There'll be places in our life, Pam and I have gone and we've gotten there and we went, oh, you know what I'm talking about? That's what Solomon's talking about. He, they have been there before. He said, it's there where I'll give you my love. In our mind's eye, can we go back to those times where we've been with the Lord and beautiful things were pouring into our heart from Him. His love was well known by us. We shared our burdens. We cried our tears. We begged God for things. We, he loved on us in the Spirit. We've been to heights with the Lord. I say to you as we approach this Valentine's Day celebration, your love for the Lord just shouldn't be every once in a while. Maintain that love. Listen, he's physically present with you always. Amen. Make your love protective love. He's protected you, and he's been passionate about you. I've loved you, he said in Jeremiah, with an everlasting love. Turn it around and love on God. And then those most precious to you, please. Soon the Lord will be coming to take away his bride. Amen. And we'll be with him forever and ever and ever. Don't you think it's about time that we start loving him back like we ought to? Today, as we close this sermon, maybe you think about your relationship with the Lord. What is your spiritual love life with the Lord? As in a physical relationship, there needs to be a heartfelt words of appreciation, a relationship with our spouse, our children. There needs to be praise. There needs to be thanks. There needs to be a zealous, passionate love for our beloved. Spending time with the Lord in prayer, in fellowship, in worship, in thanksgiving, but also time with those that are most dearest to us. Let's not get lazy in our love. Let's not, get, let's not let our love diminish or grow cold less fervent. I give thee my loves. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed. I want to read a verse to you that Jesus said in the Bible. Listen now, Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Jesus said that to his men. 
How's your relationship with Jesus today? Maybe there's someone here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You say, Preacher, I kind of got some of your sermon, but I didn't get most of it. Well, friend, do you know Jesus? And if you don't, today could be the day that you believe on him as your personal Savior. Friend, listen, I'm telling you the truth. You're not going to get to God's heaven by just being churchy, having a little bit of religious understanding. The truth is, religion don't get anybody to heaven. It's a relationship. If you don't know Jesus, don't play with your soul. Come and be saved today. Come and be born again today. And I say to the rest of us that have a relationship, a wife, a husband, a family, children, friendships, even the love that should be toward the church, does something need to be shored up, corrected, fixed? Father, I pray that you'd help us today in this invitation. Speak to our heart and help us to love you back, Lord. And help us to make ourselves right and fitting in your eyes, no matter what the world thinks. God, help marriages today. Help relationships today. Help homes today. Children, parents today. Help church family today in their relationship with the body of Christ. But Lord, above all, help us to seek a closer and a sweeter walk with you. Our beloved, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.